I pray that the Lord finds you well, and I pray that the Lord finds you navigating all there is to navigate by the leading of His Holy Spirit and wisdom, and that you have your eyes and ears wide open and your heart right wide open to receive from Him today. And we're going to go ahead and finish up our series called, Can You Hear Me? Because so many are talking today, right? You've got voices coming at you from everywhere. You've got posts and messages and Instagrams and TikToks and everything else going on out there. You've got news media. You've got billboards. You've got all this madness. And then you have the people that love you, trying to communicate with you. And I don't know about you, but sometimes, especially on Mondays, hint, hint, (laughs) on Mondays, I ditch my phone. And sometimes my wife is like, I was trying to get a hold of you. And I said, I know. So were other people. And I just said, no. So I'm sorry, but I do need one day. And I take that Monday and I just kind of ignore the world. Um, And I try to spend some time alone and rest and do those kinds of things. But it seems like everybody's talking, but is anybody listening? Right? You ever feel like that in your own mind, in your own heart? Is anybody listening to me? (laughs) Can anybody hear me? Are they paying attention? And I think sometimes children, they act out, you know, they do things they're not supposed to do because they're like, can you see me? Can you you hear me? Because when they don't feel heard and they don't feel seen, then they're going to get your attention one way or another, right? And sometimes that negative behavior is because they don't feel seen and heard. And sometimes we don't outgrow that. And you and I still are tempted to maybe do some things that maybe deep in our hearts we're just really trying to be heard. And so I wanted to do this series, and we've been talking about different ways to listen to one another, different ways to make sure that we're listening to the right people, and a past couple passages of Scripture that are helping us along the way, which should be quite familiar to you right now, are Proverbs chapter 19, verse 20, that says this, listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom for your future. Well, what an amazing practical piece of advice. And then James chapter 1, verse 19 says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak. Boy, that we would do that. Quick to hear, slow to speak. And from that, we've launched out on this series, and this is message number four, called Your Future. We're going to tap into this piece at the, at the back end of that proverb that says that you gain wisdom for your future. And when we were children, you know, we used to beg our siblings not to tell on us, right? Remember that? Please don't tell, please don't tell, please don't tell. I don't want to get in trouble. My sister and I had this thing that we used to do to each other if we were playing in the room and we were, you know, maybe... I was being too rough, or maybe we had some snacks in there that we weren't supposed to have before dinner, um, you know, that kind of stuff. If, if we were doing that, or, you know, if I, maybe if I had found my way into some toys that really maybe didn't belong to me somehow, not saying how, but just, they just ended up in my room. And if someone could grab that, turn that volume all the way down on that TV, that would be amazing. Just kill that volume back there. And if, if people need to be in the foyer, yeah. Underneath the, um, Craig, could you do me a favor? Underneath that table that's right under the TV, there's a, there's a remote. Just kill that volume. That'd be awesome. All right. Excuse us, those of us that are, you that are watching online. Um, but anytime we would be doing something, if I would have those snacks or those toys that didn't quite belong to me, and we were playing in there. My sister would do this thing to where she would look at the door. 
and I would think that dad's coming in. And then I would turn and st- like maybe hide and think, and I would look back and he wasn't there, and she'd say, I got you. Because the worst thing to do would be to get in trouble. As life becomes more grown up, sometimes we see to hide things. We think that we can hide things from our spouses. We think that we can hide things from our bosses. We think that we can hide things from God. And even the most kind of obvious person, we think that we can really hide things from ourselves. We can lie to ourselves, right? And say, well, this isn't really bad for me, or I'm not really in a negative situation. I'm not really in a bad place in life. But however you might be, you might be in a bad place. And whenever you're in a bad place in life, whenever there's things going on in your world that are really bad, I want you to know before you get caught, before anybody knows, before God pulls the darkness away and shines His light on that situation, before anybody else knows but you, you are in the worst form of trouble. You see, it's not trouble when you get caught. It's not trouble when somebody finds out. It's trouble way before that. And I believe that the only way to get out of trouble is to get in what we call trouble. Because so many of us will not change even though we know that there's things in our life that are negative, there are things in our life that need growth, there are things in our life that should be removed, we're in possession of things that we should not be in possession of, we're in places that we should not be in, and we are in the deepest kind of trouble, especially if you come and tell me, Pastor, I know that the Bible says I shouldn't do this, but I no longer feel guilty for it, I feel this kind of peace when I do this. I want to tell you that peace is not from God. That peace is that your heart is becoming so hard that you no longer hear from God. And that is the scariest of scary places when your heart becomes so hard. Paul the Apostle talks about it as a heart, a hard, a hardened heart that has been burnt like with an iron. And you say, Pastor, I can go out and do all of these things that, man, I used to feel so much guilt for, but now I just go and do them and I no longer feel guilty. Isn't that great? God must be giving me permission to do this. Oh, no, my friend, you are so far away from God. And your heart is so hardened that what you need to do is get caught. Because so oftentimes when you get caught and then you're in trouble, you get called into the boss's office, your spouse sits down with you, your children sit down with you, God really gets a hold of you. That being in trouble is your pathway out of trouble. And I know that in the Bible and in life, It is very challenging to talk about the discipline of God. And that word punishment, we don't like to connect that word with God very often in our normal discussions and actually believe that God would punish us. Because somehow we've got our minds wrapped around this concept of grace and this concept of mercy and this concept of love that punishment and God don't go together. Well, I want to invite you today to kind of look at a a thought with me that will hopefully erase that And that will help you, perhaps today, feel like you're getting in trouble, but in reality, say this is my first step out of trouble. The main point for this last message in our series is this, listening to those who ignore the discipline of the Lord will rob you of your future. So if you surround yourself with people that are always telling you, oh no, you're good, that's fine, keep doing it, you deserve that, you should do that, hey, that other person, this other thing, you... And these things that normally would make you feel guilty if people are in your life giving you permission for that, you need to start erasing the people from your life that are giving you permission to do self-destructive things. 
And you need to erase people in your life and stop listening to people in your life that tell you that God would never discipline you or punish you because they are robbing you of your future. They are robbing you of the future that God has planned for you. And the only way that God is going to move you into a position that He wants you to be in, a position of blessing, in a position of strength, in a position of holiness and peace, the only way that God's going to get you there is to be honest with you, is to punish you and to discipline you for the things that you're doing that are outside of His will. And the most gracious thing that God could ever do for us and the most gracious thing that His love will ever provide for us is a heavy hand of discipline. We'll talk to you about that from a couple of places this morning. The first place is in the book of Jeremiah. Now, for those of you that are unfamiliar with the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah was a prophet. He was called the weeping prophet. He was a prophet that for a long time nobody listened to because they were listening to all the wrong people and they were not listening to the one that God sent to them. See, Jeremiah ministered at a time when God was going to punish the nation of Israel because of their continual idol worship and their continual rebellion and their continual wanting to be like other nations that they were rejecting the things that God had given them. They were rejecting the things that God had given them, yet they were God's people and God loved them. And so God told them ahead of time, he says, listen, I'm going to punish you by raising up Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and Babylon's going to come in here and take most of you captive. And he's going to take you away to Babylon and you're going to be there as exiles. And after a period of 70 years, I'm going to bring you home. And you'll be disciplined and you'll then be ready to listen. You'll repent and you'll pray and I will bless you with the future that I've intended for you all along. So that was the words from Jeremiah to the people of Israel. But there were other so-called prophets that kept coming to the people and saying, no, Jeremiah's wrong. They're not going to, no, God's not going to punish you. Everything's going to be well. You're in rebellion, but it's fine. You're doing things that God has called you not to do, but it's okay. God loves you. You're God's people. You're God's chosen race. You're God's chosen people. You're his holy nation. There's no way that God would ever allow such a sinful person as King Nebuchadnezzar and the horrible place that is Babylon to ever affect you. You're going to be fine. Well, we discover what God has to say about those people. When we notice this point, do not listen to those who fill you with vain hope, meaningless hope, vain hope concerning the punishment of God. Notice within the context that I just explained to you, Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 16 says this, Thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesied to you, filling you with vain hope. They speak visions out of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They say continually to those who despise the word of the Lord, it shall be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say no disaster shall come upon you. So God has this wonderful future in mind for his people. But yet they keep doing things that are going to destroy that wonderful future. And because God loves them so much and wants them so desperately to have the future that he has planned for them, he must, as a loving parent, discipline his children so that they are not robbed of their future. Yet there are people, there are people described in this text that speak of their own mind. It's very common today, right? Very common for people to simply judge everything that they see and everything that they hear and everything that is in Scripture by their own mind. And I can't tell you over 25 years of pastoral ministry how many times people will read a passage of Scripture, come back to me and say, well, pastor, the way I see it, the way I understand God, I can't. 
and the filter by which they judge everything is their own ideas concerning God. Now, you don't do that to anybody else. We don't do that to each other. You don't come to me and say, well, pastor, you should or shouldn't do, and so I have to somehow behave to that. I hope that you will allow me to be me, and I allow you to be you, and I base my relationship with you based upon you and what you say about yourself. So this weekend, when we look at love languages, if you come and your love language is words of affirmation, and I'm going to say, no, I'm just going to keep giving you gifts. And you're like, but I don't, like, gifts are not like, well, you're, you're going to receive these gifts, and you're going to like it, because according to my own mind, you should like this gift. And you're like, well, but. So we have to be very careful, because in a day and age when our own personal perspective is king, and we value our personal perspective above everybody else's, this is telling us that that's not really the way that we should live. We should form our opinions based upon reality, not our own desires. They also say that they are void of God's Word. Can you imagine someone that says, I'm a prophet, I'm a spokesman for God, but they're devoid of God's Word? That would be if I showed up here Sunday after Sunday after Sunday just telling you what I thought about the world and never teaching you the Scriptures. You would rightfully never come back. <laughs> because my opinions are not what matters. And sometimes when I'm in personal conversation with you, I'll share with you a passage of Scripture and I'll share with you, I struggle with that. That's hard for me to understand. I don't like that. But God didn't ask my opinion Therefore, it is what it is. Do I think that you and I would ever enjoy 70 years of captivity? No, (laughs) not at all. Do I fully understand that? No. But also, I don't understand a lot of things that once I've accepted them, they've turned out to be the greatest things ever in my life. And so the description of those people, I don't believe that we should listen to people that they just always set on their own minds. They're devoid of God's Word. They tell those that even though they're walking in evil that everything's going to be okay. That's fine. Keep destroying your life. It'll be fine. (laughs) Keep doing that. It'll be all right. And then those that stubbornly follow their own heart, you're going to be fine. And that's one of the biggest messages that we receive today, right? Just follow your heart. Just follow your heart. For those of you that have a few years behind you, you understand that that didn't always lead in the best direction, did it? (laughs) You followed your heart and you regretted it for the rest of your life. Because our heart can take us in places that's very scary and very unhealthy. And we need a God to cleanse our heart and give us a new heart and give us His mind and help us have His heart for things. Because sometimes my heart is extremely selfish and probably if you're a human like me, yours is as well. So those prophets, God says for them to ignore. But then he comes to them and he says, I want you to do the opposite of what they're telling you. He says this, this is our second point, to learn to live under the punishment of God and you will receive a future restoration. I call this just sitting in the mess that you've created for a little while. Sometimes when you get in trouble with God and you are under the heavy hand of God, You want somebody to get you out of it as soon as possible. And why not, right? Every single one of us that that love God and that love Jesus and we're following God and we find ourselves under the heavy hand of God's discipline, 
How many of us want that to last but more than two seconds? None. None of us. Been a follower of Christ since I was 15 years old. That's 35. I'm 50. I've been in several places in my life where one time in particular where I just said, Lord, I, I, I know that this, you're, this is not what you want me to do, but I'm going to go do this because I know you'll forgive me and the people that are around me need me to go do this. That's my own twisted sense. And it landed me in a spot where I had to beg for God's mercy and promise that I would never do that again. And that lesson has confronted me various times in my life when I've been faced with certain situations knowing that God wants me to do something but knowing perhaps my family would rather me not. And so I've had to tell my family on a few occasions, we got to go in this direction. (laughs) And I know you're not going to like this, but the last time I listened and gave you what you wanted and ignored what God had had for our family, we that ended in disaster. And so we must continue to sit in this. And because I have so many years of working with teenagers, 17 years as a classroom teacher at Christian schools and being a coach and athletic director and those kind of things, there were several times when a kid would get in trouble and I would ignore that student. I wouldn't give them the solution to their problem. I would let them know, hey, so you're in trouble, huh? Yeah. Huh. Wow. Why'd you do that? I don't know. Seemed like a good idea at the time. Mm, Yeah. Not so good now, right? No. So, Mr. Hobbs, what should I do? Well, I'm going to leave you to think about that. Why don't you just sit with that for a while? I'm not going to tell you what you should do. I'm not going to tell you how to talk to your parents about that. I'm not going to tell you how to talk to your friends about that. You get to sit in the mess that you've created for a while. Because you know a kid, right when they're about ready to be potty trained, they mess their diaper and they're like, eh, they don't like it anymore. And they're kind of like, yeah, uh. before they're ready, they just, whatever, and then they, they're having a good day, and you've got to wrestle them to the ground to get them to change the diaper. But when they're about ready to be party trained, it's like they don't like that anymore. See, when you're really ready for change, you won't like the mess you've created for yourself. <laughs> you will really want somebody to help you out. You will really want God to come and clean up the mess that you've created for yourself. And until you're ready, sometimes the best thing for people that love you to do is to just simply let you sit in it until you get tired enough of it. And I know that that's pretty hard, right? Who isn't going to help? Why aren't you going to show up? Well, they're not. They're still kind of liking that (laughs) mess. So we leave them sometimes in that. And this 70 years, were they to live 70 years complaining? No. Were they to live 70 years arguing with God and feeling sorry for themselves? No. He gave them clear, clear instructions. First, they were supposed to live as exiles. Look at Jeremiah 29, starting in verse 4. It says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, said, Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord for its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your 
welfare. So he basically says, hey, get used to this. You're not in Jerusalem anymore. You're not at home anymore. You don't have all the comforts of home. You don't have everything that you're used to. You're not around people like you. In fact, you are a foreigner in a land, and God is saying to you, settle in. You're going to be here a while. So pray for the welfare of the city. Build careers and homes and have children and grandchildren and live in this space. A lot of Bible scholars who look at the Bible in ways that are both historic, historical in nature, which they believe this actually happened, which I'm one of those, I believe that this actually like took place in space-time, right? But then there's lessons, right? There's lessons in this, and then there's that big picture. And to not stay here too long with you today, but to give you this notion that a lot of the way God is handling the nation of Israel is indicative of how he handles his people, taking them from when they were dead in sin. That's the Egypt part of the story in Exodus. And then as he takes them out of sin, takes them out of Egypt, they then live in a wilderness on their way to the promised land. And that wilderness space in the Old Testament is indicative of our earthly life as God is taking us to the promised land of heaven. And so in this where they find themselves in Jeremiah is part of this earthly experience. And part of the thing that God is explaining to us today in this as we look at the big picture of the Bible is that you and I are living kind of as exiles on earth because our real home is the kingdom of God and the, where the authority of God reigns. And I know it's kind of hard to understand, but the restoration of all things, we call that heaven. Read the back of the book. Read, by, read the Bible at the end. But that's kind of where we're going. That's our eternal home. But the lesson for us today would be all that we find confusing and all that we find frustrating in the world today. And if you're one that's frustrated with the political place where we live and all of the different troubles that we're experiencing today, God would tell you, settle in, build a life, pray for the blessing of your country because you're going to be here a while. And not to have this escapist mentality of I can't wait to get out of here, right? And that's very childish, right? That's what high school students say. Well, I can't wait to graduate and get out of here. Well, where? What do you, where do you want to get out of? Because somewhere around 25 or 30, you're going to really remember that you had it easy. <laughs> but we're, we're, we're so, I want to get out of here, right? And we live in a state where a lot of people say, I want to get out of here. Well, and go where? Well, I want to go over there where the gas is under $3 a gallon. Well, okay, fine, and if that's, okay, that's fine. I've been teasing my brother-in-law who lives in Oklahoma. We've been sending a lot of things back and forth this week about that. But we have this escape kind of mentality. Either I can't wait to get to a certain date or a certain place or a certain thing, but if you really want to learn from how God is working in your life, then settle in. Settle into parenthood. Settle into your jobs, settle into your neighborhoods, settle in, and pray for the blessing of those that are around you, for in that you will too will be blessed. And then I want you to, as you settle in and just stop taking this escapist kind of mentality, you will probably discover that in this settling in that you can trust God, and you can trust that He's going to give you a future and a hope, because here's the most, one of the most well-known verses in the Bible. I know you guys all know this. 
Starting in verse 10, it says, For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are complete for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. And here's the verse that everybody knows. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me, and you will seek me with all of your heart. I will, be for, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all of the nations and all of the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. I'm going to bring you out of the punishment that I've set you in, but you need to sit in it, and you need to embrace it, and you need to skip this whole kind of mentality of these people coming to you and saying, God won't punish, and okay, well, he kind of did, but it won't really last that long. It'll be over like real quick. Just kind of just move through it. It'll be all right. No, no, ignore those people, because those people will rob you of your future. They will rob you of all the blessings that we just read about. They will rob you of experience, one of the most powerful passages in the scripture when God says, I know the plans that I have for you. No, it's his plan for you to give you a future and a hope. And the only way that you're going to experience that wonderful future, that massive blessing, is to say, okay, God, I'll sit in the mess for as long as you deem necessary for my education. (laughs) I'll sit in there. And I'll stop fighting with you, and I'll stop arguing with you. I'll stop trying to escape everything. And I'll simply accept what's coming to me as a grown adult. So not as a mature human being. And when you do that, the challenge then becomes to remain faithful under the discipline of God for the sake of your future because it gets tiring to live in exile, right? It gets tiring to live with difficulty. It gets tiring. But if you would remain faithful when you're tired, you will receive these blessings. I want to, real quick as we approach the end, I want to talk to you about a passage in Hebrews chapter 12. The book of Hebrews is kind of a reminder to the people in the first century about the people back in the old, what we call the Old Testament. It's kind of the New Testament version of what we just looked at in Jeremiah, okay? And I want to take you to a passage in chapter 12, starting in verse 13, where he says, the author of Hebrews says this, "...consider Jesus, whom endured from sinners such hostility..." against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin you have not yet resisted to the point of bloodshed in other words they were struggling with sin they're struggling with their own sinful habits and they were struggling with the heavy hand of God's discipline and they said to him if you're going to remain faithful as God disciplines you you're going to have to think about Jesus for a little while you got to think about what he went through. you got to think about what he endured. Don't compare your life to others. Don't compare your life to what you used to have. But look straight at the experiences of Jesus and compare yourself to him and what he did on the cross. That'll give you an ability to be faithful. A second thing would be this. To remember that God disciplines those that he loves. Don't think that as you are under the heavy hand of discipline that somehow God now no longer loves you. That you somehow disqualified yourself from his grace and his mercy and so now all you have is punishment. Notice what he says in verse 5. He says, And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons or children? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one that he loves and chastises every son in whom he receives. So if you feel like you're being kind of punished by God right now, know this, that he loves you and he's received you. 
You're part of his community. You're part of his household. You are with him. He has not rejected you. If he had rejected you, he'd never be punishing you. You would just be out there on your own. But because you are under the heavy hand of God's discipline, it is a sign that he loves you and he has accepted you and he has brought you into himself and he is sharing himself with you, working out the future that he had planned with you for you before you were even born. Because he loves you. So if you're experiencing difficulty today, God loves you and he has a future for you. Now what are these things, these two quick things about the future? What are the things that God wants you to have? A better job, a better health position, I don't know. I don't know about that because the Bible doesn't address your employment opportunities in the future. I, I don't know. And we got to start trying to move Christianity out of that space that we just come to Jesus for him to get us better stuff and a better American dream that the Bible's never kind of set in that context. We abuse it to make us think that, right? Do these things and God will give you No. But what exactly does God want to share with you? It's in this passage, starting in verse 7, and it is this, that He wants to share His holiness with you. Notice verse 7. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are an illegitimate child and not a son. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but the, he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. Now, I don't know how to get my mind around that either. When I start thinking of God's holiness... And I try to get my little pea brain around God's holiness. And I don't, that's bigger than me. That's more powerful than me. But somehow God says, I'm going to share that with you. I'm going to pour my holiness into your heart. I want to share that with you. See that? That's amazing. That's, that's better than anything else that we could get on our own. And holiness is not this concept that God is way over here and we're over here and we got to work ourselves along by good deeds and not doing all the bad stuff and doing all the good stuff and doing all this stuff to get... Erase that. God takes you as an absolute disaster. And then He pours His love and grace and mercy into you. He accepts you as His child. And then He starts disciplining you to get you to the future where He just pours His holiness into you. And he cleanses you of all the garbage. You don't do it yourself. Stop trying to do it. I know that you're well motivated. I know that you're doing it because you love Jesus. But you're just ending up in frustration because you really and I really can't perform well enough to qualify as holy. Simply sit under the disciplined hand of God and allow him to shape you and allow him to pour his holiness into your life. And then finally, the last piece of that is we will experience peaceful fruit of righteousness. For the moment, verse 11 says, for the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So we go back to feeling that I'm not in trouble. I'm fine. I have peace. Me and God are good. 
I was in rebellion, didn't want to get caught, did everything to keep from getting caught, but I was always nervous that I was going to get caught. Always nervous that somebody was going to find out. Well, they all found out. (laughs) And now you're restored. 